welcome to episode 46 of Songs for the Struggling Artist, the Blogcast. I am blogcasting here in May, late May. Suddenly it became late May. Five minutes ago it was early May. I don't know how this happened. Um, I have, uh, I've gotten word that I have another listener. Another friend of mine let me know she was listening to the podcast. So hello. Thank you for listening. And if you're listening, let me know. It really does help me keep going to know that people are listening. So it is, it's really great. Uh, to know that you're listening. So thank you. Um, so today's blog is, uh, has interestingly inspired some interesting controversy around it, which I think is going to be a whole other blog post. Um, but, uh, but it's called single gender on a train and it's actually in, it was inspired originally by, um, a podcast that I was listening to, the the Politically Reactive podcast, which you should listen to. It's great. Um, but there's something that one of their guests said. The guest was great. The, the episode was great. But there was something he said that just really <laughs> made me laugh a lot and made me kind of go down this road of exploring um, women in public spaces. That's ultimately what this, what this piece is about. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think I'm just going to read it to you, and then I will share with you some of the s- strange responses. Okay. Single gender on a train. On the Politically Reactive podcast, the guest, Michael Skolnick, described being on the train coming home from the Women's March in D.C. He said he'd never been on a train where there's such a disproportionate amount of one gender. And I said, out loud, in response, I'm sure that's not true. That is, I'm sure he's been on the train with a single gender before, it just wasn't women, and so he didn't notice. Why do I feel so sure he's been on a train or in public somewhere with only men? Because most public space is male space. Because I have been the only woman on a train more times than I can even begin to count. Any woman who spends time in public has had this experience. And when it happens to us, we get very alert, very quickly. Being the only woman on a train full of men is normal, especially after a game or late at night. And most of us will do a fairly quick, complex assessment of the danger levels of being in a car full of men. We know we're surrounded, in just the same way Skolnick felt very attuned to being surrounded by women. The thing is, that happens very rarely. And there are a lot of good, and by good I mean legitimate, clear reasons, not good reasons for that. First, it's historical. There have been any number of diatribes against women ever showing their faces in public. In some places, if you were public women, you were prostitutes. That is, any woman in public is suspect. As soon as women start gathering, the wheels of patriarchy really start grinding. It's how we get witch trials and hysteria epidemics and such. Oppressive movements almost always rely on the idea of women staying out of the public eye, being at home, where she belongs. From Rousseau to Phyllis Schlafly, the retiring natural homemaker is encouraged to remain by the hearth to never gather with other women in public places, to never venture forth without her husband or father. 
Soraya Kamali's talk on space illuminates the sense that the world is designed by and for men, even women's restrooms. And there is another factor. There's the safety factor that women in public face harassment or worse when they venture forth. Danielle Moscato recently asked women what they'd do if men had a nine o'clock curfew, and the answers revealed how unsafe many women feel in public and how much the world would change if men were safely home in bed by nine. It's an interesting thought experiment. For myself, my life wouldn't change too dramatically if men had a curfew. A lot of the things women said they'd do, I do already. But I live in a city, and cities have always provided a safer haven for women, especially in public. See Rebecca Traster's All the Single Ladies. I notice when I travel that I am a lot more unusual as a woman traveling on my own. In smaller cities and towns, when I go to coffee shops, I often find myself the only woman. That almost never happens in New York. I wonder if one of the major divides between urban and rural is actually how much space women can occupy in public. I wonder if some of the hatred of Hillary Clinton was related to folks coming from places where women are more rarely seen in public. For me, I feel a very stark contrast when I travel from cities where I am completely inconspicuous as a woman in public to places where I am suddenly required to have a heightened sense of my femininity. There are endless public spaces that are de facto male only. So yes, it is powerful to see only a single gender on a train, but it is a very different experience for a man to, to travel on a car full of women than it would be for a woman to be on a train in a car full of men. Part of the power of things like the Women's March is that it brings women into public space and it makes it possible for the world to be reimagined as a place where women really can do anything, like ride on a train without any fear at all. There you have single gender on a train. And uh, yeah, the controversy, it's not really a controversy. Someone basically responded to one line from the blog as if it was the whole blog on a friend of mine, a friend of mine's. <laughs> On, on the wall of a friend of mine on Facebook uh, and had a kind of amazing, made an amazing assumption about me as a writer, um, which was that I was, you know, some, some urban big city slicker who doesn't understand the, what it's like out in the rural areas, which is crazy because, <laughs> well, I didn't address this. This might be a whole other blog post, but, um, yeah, I, I did not grow up in a city. I, I grew up uh, in the hills, man. So um, that sort of assumption is actually hilarious when you get down to it. But but it's an interesting... Anyway, yeah, that's going to be a whole other blog. Forget it. But uh, it is funny when people... You realize how much people respond to not to the actual content of something, but to the headline or to a, a, a pull quote that is, you know, just kind of a tangential aside. That, that's like 95% of what's happening on Facebook is people just responding to things out of context. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's not a problem. Anyway, uh, so for the song today, um, I felt like I wanted to 
make sure I sang like a, a, a woman's song, <laughs> um, a public woman's song, a woman who's in the public eye. Um, and I've, I've not entirely gone through my own catalog, but I'm pretty close. Um, so I recorded for you a song by the Indigo Girls, who are fabulous women in public. Um, bold, fantastic heroes of mine from when I was from when I was in high school. So um, I, I'm, this song is uh, it's called "Pushing the Needle Too Far," and uh, one of the things that that um, I don't know I love about the Indigo Girls is that they are, have always been in a band that um, I like sing with my friends. I, it's like a it's like a women connector. There's a way where at least three of my close friends are um, women who I have sung Indigo Girls songs with. Like I have a lot of really great, um, I don't know, connections with, with other women, uh, particularly with the Indigo Girls. So um, if you are one of those three women that I have sung this song with, please sing along. Or if you know the song, you can sing along to the, the podcast. That would be super awesome, because there is another voice um, to this song. Um, that's one of the their, the Indigo Girls usually are are singing as a pair. Um, so this is funny to sing on my own. But um, yeah, there's a there are there are other voices. Um, so if you know this song, join in, be the other voice. That's what it's all about, right? Anyway, pushing the needle too far.
think I know what's wrong I think I know